0: We are back, RSVP with Jill Monroe, live on KBLA Talk 1580, Hour 2. You are locked in. This hour, we're going to get into a man in New York was stabbed for voguing to Beyonce. We're going to get into the details of that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Orlando Magic and what their owner has done for the first time that is causing some raised eyebrows. We are going to continue our conversation with Drew Greer, brand arsonist, storyteller, writer, keynote speaker, labeler of all things fly, and so forth. I got jokes. So um, before we went to break, you mentioned that you thought Vegas was dead. And we received a comment that wants clarification on those comments because Vegas in theory, the way that it's being projected and the way that we're looking at it now is the next live entertainment sports, live entertainment period, but especially as far as sports go, capital, many people are saying, because of boxing, because of USC, because the NFL is there, because of the WNBA and the Aces creating their legacy sort of um, yes. team. In that space. We know that at some point there will be an NBA team there. And we know the emphasis that is being placed as far as residencies, you know, that was something that was like popular in the 70s and 80s, kind of with Elvis and those old people, Tina Turner. But then it came back again. And we've seen, you know, Usher, Janet Jackson, Bruno Mars and so forth. So Vegas on the surface, as far as most people are concerned, is a hot spot once again. So but you said it feels dated. So explain. From a, from
1: a, from a brand guy to me, growing up, Vegas was fantasy. Circus, circus was fantasy, you know, fantasy. Um, and now, as an adult and as a brand guy that looks at storytelling, looks at those dynamics, Vegas to me is very poorly planned. Um, the sports piece is exciting. They're trying to get peace. Leagues are finally coming around. Gambling sort of change, even though they're still having issues. But even that dynamic—that's a greed standpoint. Like, there's no reason the Raider Stadium should be right there by. So there's no parking, and you know. But they want to keep everything close to the strip, and that's what they're going to do with baseball and the rest of it. Versus them being further out and being regular experiences. But just in general, to me, if you go to Vegas and you're still on your cell phone. Vegas has not done what it needs to do, and I'm still on my cell phone.
0: Well, okay, so you say that the um, like the stadium should be further out, but here's the thing: you talk about experience, right? And that's one of the things that we always discussed at Nike. We gave consumers an experience, right. a brand experience that they didn't get anyplace else. It was right. immersive, right? Mm-hmm. So. If you come to Vegas, and they've even said the majority of the supporters for their teams for these sort of events are the tourists, are the transient people. There are locals that are locked in, but given the city and what it is, those are going to be the ones that support. So putting it off strip, doesn't that take away from the fantasy to your point?
1: Well, to me, from a sports standpoint, those aren't going to be tourists. You're talking guys coming from... Europe and other places, and that's the tourist side. Of me. But from a sports standpoint, for everybody to have to Uber or take a limo to the stadium because you ain't got parking, that's not experience to me. To me, that's poor planning, but that, that that's separate on the sports side. But as far as Vegas, it also needs to be updated. Have you been by Circus Circus? I mean, you could get salmonella just walking by that mug. could you like, that's child abuse. He, but, no, but I'm going saying, to the that MGM should be out suite. of there. That should be out of there. Like, get it out of here. Let's update it. Like, it should be digital. It should be on the next level. I'm in Vegas, like, whistling, counting how many Chick-fil-A's there are versus the only dynamics. And then from a, again, I know you're a little clean here, but from a smoking standpoint, only hotel with balconies is a cosmopolitan. You can't smoke in none of the rooms.
0: <laughs> well,
1: okay. You know what I mean? Let's, let, like I, I could go on and on, but Vegas is not current. It looks current on the surface, but it's not current for modern day fantasies.
0: So you think it's all smoke and mirrors? No,
1: not that I think it's smoke and mirrors. I think it's poorly planned. Well, first of all, I'm going to kill you guys with this right now. Vegas was, was financed by the Mormons. Explain. Mormons finance it, and they wash their money clean with Howard Hughes. I don't got to explain. Google it. Okay. But in general, it wasn't planned. Like, to me, it should be the ultimate fact. Like, you put everything away, and you come back, and it's a new world. And, you know, there's gap. There's no Star Wars. There's no African-American. There's no hip-hop. There's so many themes that they could play into that plays into – greater global culture that create the experience i like what was happening downtown but i think there should be more stuff that people for us locals that go to vegas all like the la west coast What some of us are over we want a different what's some galleries what's some other stuff to
0: do so you think this, it's too pedestrian
1: yes it's very yes very civilian yes very very civilian i think they could blend it a little bit you know more timeshare condos are, you know what I mean? On the one side, which is what's happening, and then have more of the tourists. But on this side, I I, I want I want to be mind blown. Like I, I want some new experiences that tie into things that are, that that are important to greater culture.
0: Okay, not just a pool party and a show.
1: Right. I mean, I'm I'm all over that. Like I I, I I have no problem taking my shirt off. So it's not like I I, I can't roll to the the pool joint. And, you know, I'm good for two oils of two two coats of of uh, coconut oil or, 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 or on that sort of level.
0: But, <laughs> you know, I'm good for it. No embarrassment. But, like, I'm over it. Like, I've done all that. Like, like, spring break, I'm over it. All right. Well, Forensic Accountant says, what is Las Vegas going to do if it doesn't solve its environmental issues? And, Kamal says the Oakland A's have all but moved to Vegas, too. Yeah, there was plans to, I think, was it the old, I can't remember if it's the Tropicana or the Flamingo property that they were talking about making a stadium there on the Strip again. So we'll have to see what happens, but just a little pushback on whether or not we think that it is day. I I can understand what you're saying from a brand perspective. It still looks primarily the same and so forth. But that's why the spear is so exciting. You see how excited people are because that spear is there and all. Yeah, with well, different-
1: opening up for them at the end into September, talking about the round. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that could be a good experience, but. Again, respectfully, that shit or five hundred dollars. Hey, I catch that hey, on TV. Hey. I, okay, s- excuse me. You get, that's, that's on. That's four or five hundred dollars. Like those kind. Con- those tickets are going to be quite quite pricey. I don't think it's going to be open. You know, something that's inclusive of everybody, which was was, was Vegas's deal.
0: I don't think Vegas has been inclusive for everybody in a long time.
1: But I think that's the greater opportunity for us West Coasters, for me, to still want to go. Like, I'm not doing a smorgasbord because all you can eat does nothing for me anymore. I don't gamble. You know what I mean? It just starts closing down the pockets of excitement. The residents... Residencies are cool, but that's on the back half. That's for us older people. That you know, the youngins
0: ain't messing with that. Yes, they are. What are you saying? This oh, like, the little usher in the Usher, yes. Okay. I, I thought it was more but they I don't know if they can all afford it, but no, it's a hot ticket. When we come forward we'll have more with Drew Greer. We will discuss why a New York dancer was stabbed at a gas station and we'll get into some exciting pregnancy news and, and also the booking that Carly Russell's boyfriend got because of her kidnapping. Well, you know, her faux kidnapping. All that and more. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: And always ahead of the curve, this is RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580.
0: Hey, it's Jill Monroe. You are checking out RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. This is where we hit all the hot topics and trending headlines in entertainment, sports, lifestyle, and culture. And tonight, our guest is a lifestyle and culture expert, sports too, used to work at Nike, used to work at Under Armour. We forgot Ralph Lauren. There's so many brands that we probably forgot that we could run down the list. A of pl- I've been fired a lot of places. I mean... <laughs> you, you, disruptive. <laughs> disruptive, spicy, but, you know, that's what happens when you stand out on your own and you want to kind of set yourself apart. So, we mentioned that you have this agency, the brand I Am, which is about storytelling. And... Assisting authentic brands, you also are in the NIL space, which is name, image, likeness, which deals with high school and college kids. What has that experience been like, seeing where branding has come from, especially as to how younger athletes were marketed and thoughts around them to where we are now, to where they can actually make real money depending upon the market that they're in? How do you see that? As a former athlete,
1: as a former brand guy, they're
0: lazy the athletes yes why they you just wanted the stuff
1: given to them they have an opportunity to really build their brand and they just want to hand it to them they don't realize what's just handed to them is just based on their athletic ability what they build this brand this could carry them for the rest of their lives and they don't want to engage that way i understand why the schedules are crazy the school isn't putting emphasis because i think they should they actually should be a class this is for regular students as well like setting your brand up to be able to help you later on in life, you know, tell your story, you know, elevate your career, develop your partnerships and all of that, where it's just about who gets the biggest check versus there's merch opportunity, there's event opportunity, there's, you know, content opportunities that lives beyond their playing careers. And uh, the little instance I have, like, they really don't want to engage on the
0: level that I think the opportunity presents itself Do you think that's because they're too young to fully grasp it and understand it? So do you think from that regard that NIL is going to struggle in some ways or it's just going to be like most sports? There is going to be your elite class, your top of the top where they have people Mm -hmm. beside them that come in and are like, hey, this, this and this. And they kind of don't have a choice. And then on the low end, you have those that aren't really benefiting from it at all. Or not utilizing I think it. it's going to take
1: um, – you're going to need a new generation of coaches because that's going
0: to – So you think coaches should be involved in this I process think it's as pay, well? Or at
1: least – it's setting up the players for beyond their playing career. Like NIL is not even just for the star. It's for the backups. Everybody, it's a chance to set up your brand. So I think the coaches in the school – I think places like Notre Dame are losing. Like, this is the time they could sell all of that spirit and tradition and the rest of it and combine it with some other things and really position their players. And I would be positioning my athletic department because I think athletic departments and schools are horrible at, at branding as well. I'd be positioning it of not only how many guys I got drafted in the first round, but how many guys are getting Great positions or opportunities, you know, once they leave leave my, my my program.
0: But do do you feel that they feel in a way that because of nil we saw you know the resistance to it from those entities? Well, some of them at least. Do you think their resistance lies in its competition? They won't have as much control. They think that they will, you know, somehow lose some type of revenue because these kids are being pushed as stars yeah i mean the
1: the the, the whole institution university schooling including academia as well as athletic department it's all run on it's all about finances bottom line being able to influence from the outside you donate enough you can sit on the 50 yard line or you get a building named after you so all of it it, it's it's based on finance but the bigger opportunity there's an educational opportunity that you have here with the athletes it could help you recruit like retailer branding. I mean like employer branding where if your athletes are getting these elevated jobs as well as they' you know getting opportunities to go in the league, this helps your overall or of overall sort of brand. The kids have to understand the value up front. This is a lot for them. I've lived this a lot of my life, we have, so it's instinctive. But I think that's where the coaches come in and being able to influence as well as the greater department. So it's a value.
0: But do you think the coaches feel like, one, they don't have time to get into the weeds with all of that? And two, it's not really their concern because the coaches are just now starting to warm up to social media and what it can do for their programs as it is. So then to add in that they um, have to help these kids navigate their brand and their brand opportunities. I don't think
1: it's about them navigating their brand opportunity, but it's about encouraging it because it's going to help them recruit better players. I mean, there's so many dynamics of the dynamics. that I just think the current coaches I'm 15, 20 years in, I'm not trying to learn this. I think the new dynamic coach will have those, have those abilities, much like some of these coaches, you know, listen to hip hop and know the lyrics and can dance and it connects with the team. I think that the NIL piece and the branding piece, also the coaches should be branding themselves better. It's going to create opportunities for them. So you lead by example, that's going to help your career develop later on. But they they sort of sit outside, want to do things sort of the old way. But also the kids had to take it on, and I think even at a younger age it could could go on, the high school piece, the rest of those dynamics. But it's storytelling, but also if I size the kid, This doesn't mean you're going to the league. This
0: is setting up your brand and leveraging your opportunity while you're still moving the crowd. So do you believe that at this juncture, and most— of the programs, especially the higher paid ones, have a social media department, have a department that handles, you know, in addition to their PR and things of that nature. Do you think that as a general class or a course curriculum that, you know, personal branding or something along those lines should be required in college? I think
1: all students should have that, just based on where we are now. Like, I had issues with my college. The career counselor wanted me to come in and smoke, but she didn't believe in LinkedIn. I'm looking at her like she's crazy. You know what I mean? So I think this applies all the way around, and it's just going to be part of the transition. But it's just disappointing to me because it's just such a wonderful opportunity to be able to educate the kids. As you set up the brand, not only are you setting up the brand, but, you know, it also serves as sort of the, the northern light as it relates to what you're doing. You know, are you on brand? You acting a fool was I don't like this is what you said the brand was, but does this correlate with your actions? I just think it, once it gets fine-tuned, it could be in a place that could be exciting, but we know there are always going to be cheaters. There are always going to be people to just get the bag, but I think longer term for the kid, the athlete, the rest of it, is taking control, some control of themselves, and that's where we help. We have 12 brand commandments. We're on the educational side. We do it as sort of a give-back. We're not looking at it as an opportunity for us to get great revenue, but being former athletes, my partner Gene Smith at Georgetown, me at Ohio U from a football standpoint, and then working internally at Nike and seeing some of the best do it, you know, a lot of those learnings and principles
0: can can apply. And I, I just think it's going to take a process. Okay. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's not too bad. Uh-oh. It's not too bad. You're bringing
1: out no hot wings or nothing, right? Nope, no okay. hot wings, okay, nothing
0: no hot like wings. that. Okay. All right. All right. So we talked a little bit earlier about – Stephen Jackson's remarks surrounding the big three and what he wants to do with that. And we also mentioned how more athletes are stepping in front of the camera with podcasts and being more vocal and that nature. Sort of their second or third career as it stands, because I definitely think that athletes have been able to extend their reach and their footprint in the past couple of years. They, you know, their retirement options aren't as bleak as they once were, you know, if they weren't the upper echelon. So Tracy McGrady is another athlete who is investing in a basketball league. He's investing in what is known as the One's Basketball League. I think he put in $6 million of his own money. It's a one-on-one league, and it will involve non-basketball talent from around the country. So the reason why this story interests me is because a few years back when we were at Nike, did this thing called Battlegrounds, right? Um, one-on-one tournament, right? Ended up being an MTV special and things of that nature. It, it took, um, took on a life of its own. Do you think there is room... Where we are today for more scaled down versions of basketball or like a, if there was a seven on seven league in the summer, we already know that we have the USFL that came back as well as the X league that came back with the Rocks known. Do you think all of these smaller leagues that there is really enough interest to sustain all of them do you think it's just a marketing thing and it's just a manner of getting it in front of the people and being presented right or do you think that it's just sort of i've seen every
1: proposal in the world working at the brand and you know from a football basketball sort of standpoint everybody thinks they have the next big thing but there's so many dynamics that I have to go into that. And even the NBA wasn't what it was at the beginning. Are you doing this for revenue or are you doing this for purpose and passion? And I think a lot of them are just chasing checks. Um, and I think to take it over the hump and what got the NFL, the NBA and uh, major league baseball set pretty comfortable, sort of as entry and it's sort of worked backwards. But I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just think that what it takes to get those leagues over the top, and it's it's a marathon and not a race. You know what Cube has done, like, dude, talk to me in twenty years, and I'm not trying to be just Talk to me twenty years. You put some work in, of talking about what people haven't done for you because those leagues didn't have that at all. They've, you know, two different leagues combined. I mean, there's so many d- dynamics. You got to figure out what you really are and. I'm a sports lover, but older, a little bit mature now. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Cube, love what he's done, those dynamics. I don't have an interest. I don't have an interest in three-on-three. Um, indoor. You know, I would have more of an interest in three-on-three outdoor, but that happens if I be there. I'm not going to watch it on TV, or in, I'm not going to pull up because it's in town like the circus.
0: Do you think that there's a way that it could be marketed to a younger generation? Do you think it's something that we could see Gen Z pick up? Because I think about, and I'm going to ask you this, and you might have to run it back or connect. But I think about during that time period in the early 2000s when black kids were just starting to get back into skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And, for example, Nike was initially resistant. Right. So we went through that phase. Skate got really, really big. Now, if you look at the market, you look at what's happening. Golf is taking a really big hold in the younger community. As far as, you know, with black people and the talent there, people are talking about it more. Mm -hmm. They see their favorite athletes. We see more shows surrounding Mm -hmm. golf that involves younger people that are considered more hip, that are more Top golf, yep. Top golf is a great example Topgolf of that. Top golf has done
1: a good job. I, I, to me, it's golf is like what tennis was in the seventies is representing status, and it's a separation piece. And to me, that's part of that deal. But to me, what tennis happened is they made it too technical, versus it was very luxury. And I think tennis needs, I mean a golf needs to find that zone of being able to balance that to be able to train. I remember when we signed for we when Nike signed Tiger Woods and um a colleague thinking that golf was just gonna sort of I was like the who is not checking for Tiger.
0: But here's the thing, but now but that is my point kind of now because you have players like we had this conversation the other night Steph Curry is our next black golf superstar right. right so and granted Steph is not the edgiest guy but you have other players that would be considered more sort of more I don't want to say urban because I don't think that that is the correct term but more of the culture you know right. with someone I, I think like that. that
1: what Cube is trying to do with um
0: the big three.
1: The big three. I think there's a bigger opportunity in golf with guys like Steph going in and playing, and every guys going in, and there being this under league that isn't the the, the current, current conservative elite sort of level. That there's more of a pocket sort of there for an opportunity. Top golf has obviously made it more accessible, where you know everybody can be a part of the because dream.
0: There's streetwear golf brands now that are taking golf like and trying you know, the clothing and the yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, I, I know the cats running. at
1: Eastside. Unfortunately it, did my a couple of my boys wrong as way they're <laughs> kinda of conducting their business, but I'm not gonna conduct it there. But even with them, I'll just to me a lot of it's gas. Eastside Golf talks about more about their Jordan collabs than they are innovating in the game. They're still using the same, you know, the gold chain pieces novelty, but that's not gonna last long. That's a moment. Like To me, sauce. I want it to last for a long time and not be a moment in time.
0: Okay. Well, when we come forward, we will have more with Drew Greer. We're going to get into more trending topics and headlines. We're going to talk about what Snoop Dogg did for a 90-year-old black woman. Down south, we're also going to get into Lizzo later on and the allegations that are stacking up against her. We're going to talk about Jay-Z and his latest art purchase. And we're going to get into the police report from the Travis Scott World incident that took place last year. All that and more, you're listening to RSVP with Joe Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You're and then you say... Damn they ruthless. all right so i was getting the the radio version and the unedited version confused but give me my props i got a little bit of flow do you know i hold this hip-hop thing down original la for life i had it so welcome back to rsvp with Joe monroe here on kbla talk 1580 thank you for rocking with us vips the chat is going up the chat is really lit so i'm gonna read some of these comments out here kamal says vegas and phoenix want to grow and bring in resident taxpayers in the form of people from the coast in chicago who want a home they can afford um pretty round mimi says drew you're quite shady and i love it she's enjoying it um I i don't know um freaky but not shady Frederick Smith asked, "Do you think the NBA will ever put a team in Las Vegas, or that the dream will end with summer league and the other hoops events that they have know, there?" It's no, coming. It's too big
1: of a check. That's coming.
0: That's it's coming. It's happening. It's that's happening. happening. That's already happened. Let's just say they're waiting to announce it. <laughs> And Frederick also says that he is with you. Nobody really wants to see a bunch of old guys hooping on the TV. Sorry, Ice Cube. I, you know, I disagree with that. I think that there is a certain contingent that is also getting older that may want to look back on the players that they were familiar with. Some of those guys still have game. Maybe not NBA level game, but they you, can do if something. You, Jason, if you Richardson. got a Drew
1: League ticket? If you got a Drew League ticket and a Big Three ticket, where are you going?
0: Okay, Cut but see, it's it different. Cut it out. No, Cut. let me, so it's, so it's, Drew League, you see the up-and-coming, the possible, you see the younger players. The big three, you see players that you grew up establishing, you see rivalries.
1: Which, which game are you going to?
0: Depends on who's no, playing. No. It depends on who's playing. Straight up, straight, it depends on who's playing. Like, if you said, and not all these people are in the big three, but if you said, like, a team with, like, Vince Carter, maybe Katino Mobley, Jason Richardson or something was playing and like, you know, Big Ben or something like that. Something, you know, from the early 2000s or maybe even the 2010s. I might want to check that out with the Drew League. I don't know who I'm going to see. These guys are up and coming overseas. No shade, no tea. Not saying that I enjoy Drew League games as well. But there's a different type of, I think, there's a nostalgia attached to the big three to a degree, right? And to your point, it's a different game. Because three on three is not like five well, on five.
1: That, I think the trouble I have, and I have the same trouble with um, high school sports in general, is when they try to put it on TV versus you seeing it live, just the production isn't at the same level. So I also think from a three on three standpoint, they got to figure out how to shoot that. So that, I,
0: that, you know, those ain't ang- all point. that
1: stuff becomes important on a word. Like I'm old, like, like, so I watching a high school game, like CIF. game. I can't watch that. The angles are too far. The bands are horrible. Like it needs to be prime production because I have so many other options going back to my phone in the Vegas sort of, sort of.
0: I mean, I think that that is a great point for the big three because it doesn't look appealing on TV. It's hard for it to look appealing in person sometimes, but you're right. It really doesn't look appealing on TV. And how are you going to get engaged and get into that if you don't like how it looks? Pretty Brown Mimi also shouted out. Kenyon Martin as well, so shout out to him. You know, Kmart, I watched him on Gills Arenas today. He was talking about this topic a bit, and he mentioned that there was the ownership that is in with Cube that is really, he feels, holding the big three back. He also said that for him, some of the um, players he felt when they opened it up to players that hadn't been in the NBA per se or were when they dropped the age bracket down, he also felt that that hurt the product and that they had a better product when it was earlier going. To
1: me, the biggest thing they lost is when AI didn't play.
0: Yeah, but that's AI. I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, think I they,
1: get that. But I'm saying he could have gave him the boost, and he has the style of play, and those. 100,
0: I 100. I they, actually,
1: any of the other I ain't trying to see them play.
0: I, I mean, I think that there is for some. If
1: Kobe was still uh, still with us, that would, would be Kobe, interesting. He Kobe wouldn't have played. Never played in that. Yeah. You know
0: that. Yes, but Never. I'm just saying that 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 type of and the other cats why why like? But I, I think about this too, and what I thought was important is that they the cities that they would go to were not the cities like L. A., New York, Houston that have a team. Like they would hit up a L.A. or a New York, you know, for the big fanfare and probably to make it exciting for the players because they're tired of going to Podunk, Illinois or wherever. But I think that the fact that they go to areas where they're not apt to see a superstar three or four times out the week playing also help them because we have to remember you know we're very coastal but that central part of the country they have needs and desires and they want to be enticed and enchanted as well. Right. I mean, I, I, I am invited, like, yeah, it.
1: but it's it's just not. I mean, I'm not looking in. Not a product. <laughs> you're my digital in. TV guy to see when the big three is coming on. I'm not like, and I haven't looked at highlights. I'm just. I got to speak from my sort no, so I, I haven't you. gone on sort of the outside, but I can just say in general the production, the storytelling behind some of the players is some like they. That, it's like the Olympics. Olympics is boring as heck, but I think they could do a better job of storytelling, prize money. Like one of the storytelling should be particularly with black athletes what their native nationality and tying the roots back to that versus whatever country they're, you know, cause there's a lot of poaching going on. Like yeah. this, I'm saying those are little storylines like they've done in boxing that lead up into the, to the fight that draw the interest that isn't going on in the Olympics and definitely ain't going on in the big three.
0: I think they tried with content. I don't think they had the right producers. I don't think they really understand what the audience is looking for. The what, Olympics or saying. big three? No, big three in general. Okay. Andy, what were you about to say?
1: It's just, uh, Drew, you, you you definitely provide a unique uh, perspective on things, and I definitely respect it. Um, but, you know, as I'm listening to you talk with Jill with regards to the Big Three, it just has me tripped out that I just feel like where's the support of, of, of a black owner? You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, all this discussions about black people, the athletes need together to create their own league, and we have it in the Big Three. It's It's a baby step. It's it's a step through through uh, for for progression, but I just feel like we should be rallying behind Ice Cube and supporting this bigly, so it could be bigger than what it is. Even if you don't, even if you don't like it, I mean, you have you have the I, Kaepernick I'm situation. You, I, I'm with you on that, but I'm I'm beyond buying Black on because it's Black on. I want to buy it because it's dope. And by the way, it's Black on, and that's the standards that we have to start operating under. Versus for favors, to me or doing it just because it happened to be a brother. I want him to win. It's not like I'm sitting over here hating because he doesn't, but I'm going to tell the truth. This pork chop sandwich, you know, I don't eat pork, but this chicken sandwich ain't no good. Like, you need to improve it. I'm going to tell him the things he needs to improve if he's listening to me, but if he just thinks I'm going to be loyal because of those dynamics, I I think that's what we fall short. It's like within the fashion world, like black-owned brand is cool, but I make bulletproof denim. And I happen to be from comp. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the attitude we need to get so that we can develop something that goes beyond our neighborhoods and beyond the the lifespan of, of a favor.
0: I do believe that there are certain, and, and you've even seen, there's been uh, some talk about this lately in news articles or whatever, about I think that as black consumers sometimes, and even as black owners, we take each other for granted. We have more expectation from the owners and the brands than we do sometimes in their white or other owned counterparts. And as consumers, we sometimes don't want to step up and support these black brands because we feel like why are they charging that much for that? Why are they doing for that? You know, there has to be some type of healthy balance because I do think that we overcharge our people and try to get over on them as business owners. And I also think that consumers don't respect the drive and the grind what it takes to go into something. When we come forward, we're going to have more with Drew Greer. We're going to talk about more of these trending topics and headlines. And of course, we're going to get into another good question of the night. All that and more. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580
1: to more captivating conversation on RSVP with Jill
0: Monroe. Hey, it's Jill Monroe. Thank you, VIPs, for being locked in. You are listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So I told you we had a couple of trending topics that we had to touch on this hour. I'm going to go through a couple of those really quickly and then circle back to our conversation with our guest, Drew Greer. I mentioned earlier that there was a man that was stabbed in Brooklyn, New York, over the weekend. His name was O'Shea Sibley. And he was at a gas station filling up with his friends, dancing, voguing to Renaissance by Beyonce. And some other gentlemen walked up. The two ended up in an argument because I guess the second group was offended that these black men were probably gay and were dancing and enjoying Beyonce's music outside words were exchanged and one guy pulled out a knife and stabbed him and ended up killing O'Shea they made some homophobic comments the police are said to know who the suspect is I'm not sure if that time at this time if he's been picked up when I checked out the story earlier he had not so You know, just sending love and light to O'Shea's family, hoping that the assailant is caught. Because, why? Let people do what they want. That didn't hurt you at all. Also, another quick bite. Carly Russell, the young lady who faked her own kidnapping. Her ex-boyfriend, who was the subject of, I guess, the reason why, at least part of, Allegedly, her faking her own kidnapping. He's been hit up to do some club dates and he's doing them. He was on a flyer promoting an upcoming club hosting in Atlanta strictly because ladies thought he looked good and he was the object of Carly's affection and they got a hold of his Instagram account. But apparently he got legal advice and he decided to pull out of hosting officially although he will still be in the building he was advised by an attorney that he shouldn't be actually hosting the event but what I want to know is who is lining up to go party with Tomar Sims that's his name just because his girlfriend did some nut stuff in the world really clout chasing is an all-time high but I guess Get money, get social media status, and have a product that you can push because it comes quickly. So kind of along those lines, Drew, as we were just speaking of, basically about NIL and kids and understanding the power that they have with their brand at this point and the type of products or merch they could sell. If you were a college football or basketball player, Maybe playing, maybe not necessarily playing, you know, at a D1 school, maybe a D2 school. What type of brands or what type of NIL deals would you tell a student like that to pursue? Like, should they be looking at car dealerships? Should they be looking at local businesses? I wouldn't even be
1: going first to the brand. I mean, the first thing I do is figure out what story I'm looking to share about myself and where I'm looking ahead with that in a way, we've been sort of advising kids, particularly from our college, which is Ohio University, which is a smaller mid-tier. Not much of that has transpired. They're working on it, and I think a lot of it is they're too, looking ahead. But start locally first. Start local brands within your college town or within your city, and then obviously there's some national opportunities, and then there's some opportunities that um, they're looking for unique sort of subject matters and get after it sort of that way. But first of all, you got to figure out what you're trying to share and get after write your story and then figure out where to partner what are the brands you'd like to get after and what makes sense and then those that are interested in nil and then what's your proposition right now everything you know first thing they're looking at what's your social media sort of following is is the initial deal but then there are other layers to that diet but i think the biggest thing is just be authentic and figure out what's your purpose and what story are you looking to share
0: is it possible to really be authentic in this era because again we're we're talking about largely teenagers right, right. that are going to have some growing pains some slip ups they're right. going to experiment and try things right. that may not be appropriate for everyone but they're still learning and growing so is it possible to create an authentic brand when you have to be mindful of your brand because you're looking down the road at the long-term picture? I,
1: I still think you can mature over the lines as a brand and what you're doing post-college. You can still have fun. The way we talk about it, it's like when you're posting on social media, it's like making your dinner, like... You know, you're gonna have starch, you're gonna have veggies, you're gonna have protein, but you can have some dessert. But if your whole post ticket, your whole attitude is this dessert play, you're not gonna win. So it's having that balance of you know things you stand up for that are you know important to you. You know, you honoring other play. Like it isn't just about I'm the greatest. Things since sort of size grad is the brand because this relates to any of those. It even deals with brands being transparent when they make, you know, bigger brands when they make make, make mistakes. I, I don't think that's an issue. I think transparency wins actually in, in today's era where when I was a kid, people didn't make mistakes <laughs> on record.
0: <laughs> so you think that there's like no mistake that really these kids, well, not no, but that.
1: I mean, there's some extreme cases of those those dynamics, but. I mean, I sit confident in this chair and, you know, you see what Kobe's situation was in. And we yeah. transpired in him to have the number one selling jersey in the world. So I, I feel with the proper storytelling and actions and other things that you, you, you can overcome, you know, almost anything.
0: So there's a story that came out today about the Orlando Magic. And they have donated $50,000 to the Republican presidential candidate. Ron DeSantis, you know, he Mm -hmm. is the governor of Florida um, for his super PAC. It's the first time the DeVos family who owns the Orlando Magic Mm -hmm. has used the NBA franchise to financially support a candidate. Right. So as we see stories like this unfolding or things like that, do you think that I mean, because it's not as if there hasn't always been, you know, owners ownership that were, you know, Republican leaning, let's say, you know, leaning more towards a less woke stance before Mm. woke was popular. These things aren't sort of new or revolutionary. But do you think that with all the things that we've went through and where the players are now, you know, both in the NBA and NFL as far as their power that it's possible for owners to still be involved in doing things like that without facing any backlash or without their I players think, feeling a certain type of way about them.
1: No, they, the players have to align, and that's what I like. Is when we do align, you go back to Cleveland and Ali, and those of you. You know, you see LeBron and them get a little. You saw a little bit of that happening at um, during the um, bubble. Playoff, so to speak but i I think as a community and you know we we have a responsibility to me in banding together under these sort of circumstances and making a statement and going back earlier and talking about starting your own league that's what you know the foot should come out of you know these sort of situations not a three-on-three but an actual league that can compete with the nba or nfl or the rest of them or even from a uh HBCU sort of standpoint empowering those sort of teams, I, I think is the better way to 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 address it and address situations. Like saw the Clippers situation where their owner end up getting sort of pushed out. I'd I, I like to see more of that versus what typically happens. You know, I'm getting mine. I'm just worried about mine. I'm gonna keep keep it quiet. It happens in corporate corporate worlds
0: as well. Okay, well. I have another question. I think I'm going to hold that question until the top of the next hour. But before we get to that, I want to ask you really quickly. As we're getting into an era where obviously there's more content out there, more reenactments, more stories being told. We saw like HBO came out with winning time which is based right. off of the showtime lakers And they
1: got part 2. I saw that advertising it's, for that. This I'm excited. Sunday. I'm this excited Sunday that, season I'm 2 excited. starts on
0: Sunday. I'm excited too. Um I'll get your answer when we come forward, but do you think, because you think about how important imaging is and branding is, and we know Jerry West wasn't happy about his Uh. portrayal on that show, Magic Johnson wasn't happy about his portrayal, as we step more into the digital age and there's more areas for content and there's more ways for this type of information to be dispersed, is it still possible to retain control over your image? and for it to be, one, authentic, and two, actually tapping into what the fans have an interest in. We'll get into that, all that and more. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.